It is the 200 level episode 109. Who's the boss? Seriously, who's in charge here? I am wondering that. And it's been another one of those weeks that felt like a month since Big Ten football was canceled, then Pac-12 was canceled, and the other conferences are going to go on and try to play. We got parents writing letters. We have student athletes starting petitions that are getting tens of thousands of signatures. Another long week and a lot of movement, a lot of things going on, and a lot to unpack, which is what we'll do here on this episode of the 200 level. It's me, Mike Carpenter. I haven't really ever introduced myself like that. And just me today. We started school, some professional developments and meetings, all that good stuff, and getting back into the swing of things. And as I mentioned last week, as we go forward and teaching becomes a thing for me again, I still plan on doing two podcasts a week. Monday, Thursday, Tuesday, Friday, we'll get them out and space them out a little bit so we can react to whatever happened the previous 72 to 96 hours, whatever it may be. But even with the absence of college football, at least for us this fall, I don't think there's going to be an absence of things to talk about. And all these moving parts, all these things that continue to evolve rapidly. And the thing that I keep going back to is, as we sit here in mid-August and we see conferences with decisions that they're making that have hundreds of millions of dollars at stake. And yet it feels like no one really knows what's going on. And it makes me think, what a wasted summer. What a wasted opportunity to kind of figure out, okay, how can we go forward with this? How can we do this safely if we are going to do it at all? And instead, you have a lot of people wandering aimlessly and looking for someone else to make a decision for them. You do have some people being proactive, student athletes, parents, And I'm not going to be so cynical as to make fun of anyone for writing a letter. Okay, letters to the editor. I think anyone that does that, kudos to them. I've done a couple myself. Student athletes that want to start a petition, same thing. There's something noble about that. You got a problem with something, act. Write a letter. Do something. So uh, whether or not I agree entirely with the motivations behind their actions, I do agree that if you got a problem, do something about it. And I feel like sometimes these parents, student athletes are doing more than the actual decision makers. All these things though together, the waters are totally muddy right now. We don't really know what is going to happen as we go along the next few weeks in terms of the SEC, ACC, Big 12, will they, won't they? But more than that, colleges are open. Students are back right here in Champaign-Urbana, 40,000 plus gathering in this spot, in this fairly small community in the next week. I think they're staggering the move in. This is uncharted territory. I think that was the name of a podcast all the way back in March at the very beginning of this pandemic. This is something else entirely. And we're already starting to see some fairly ominous signs in college campuses around the country. So we got a lot to get to. We will get to that in just a second. But before we do, a reminder that the 200 level is brought to you by DPDO online at dpdo.com. All the best deals and prices. And they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Go to dpdo.com for custom zones, any topping that you want. They'll put it in there. You get the dipping sauce with it as well. They got some favorites like the Maui Wowie, the Buffer Zone, two of their biggest sellers. And you could even get a side of like a cookie. You can get a drink. Listen, here's the thing. Bank for your buck in terms of these places on campus or anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. You'll be hard-pressed to find anything quite as tasty and quite as filling as you do at dpdo. So order online at dpdo.com. Also, 4th and Kirby. New designs, you need to check this out. It's all over their Instagram, all over their Twitter account, and fourthandkirby.com football designs. And I know that we don't get football this fall. It stinks, but you can still wear some awesome swag. I would really recommend checking these out. I'm going to be getting a couple of these shirts myself. 
fourthandkirby.com and coupon code 200 level and the 200 level gets you 10% off your order. Fourthandkirby.com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com, a great domain name for a great insurance agent and the entire staff there. Not only are they experts for home, auto, business, renters, you name it, they're also local products. So they have your local interest at heart if you're in the East Central Illinois area. Brianismyguy.com. That's Brian is my guy.com. Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. As we press on, episode 109, chugging right along, episode 100 feels like a lifetime ago. And really, it seems like every passing month feels like a lifetime ago. And that on June 17th, we all feel a lot more optimistic about the prospect of college sports than we do right now on August 17th, such as life. And with that, we've had to improvise about what we talk about, and I appreciate you guys for going on that journey with me as we tackle all the big issues on the 200 level. But one thing that helps us out, ratings, reviews, whether you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, I think most of these podcast apps have an ability to give it as many stars as you want and maybe even write a review. And we've had some people do that recently, which I very much appreciate. And as I've said before, I mean this, even the... Uh, let's say, less than stellar reviews still help us out. It means we're getting some action. And that means when people type a line eye into the search field that they have that much better of a chance of finding our show. Now, this one stuck out to me. This is the most well-thought-out negative review that I've seen on a podcast. From Oski11, you always got to give credence to someone who uses the word Oski in their handle. The only thing that Mike Carpenter loves more than standing on his soapbox and screaming at all us rubes about the many ways we have disappointed him is bloviating about non-sports topics. I was surprised that this wasn't a daily podcast considering how much he loves the sound of his own voice. From Oski11. First off, if you can use the word bloviating and rube, in the same review, you were not a rube. So Oski11, trust me, I am not talking down to you, and I'm trying not to talk down to anybody, I will be honest. But that is something that I have tried to be careful about, and I know I've probably failed at points, is talking about some of these issues and not sounding like I am, in fact, on a soapbox. Now, do I think I'm right about these things? Yes. Why would I come on behind a mic and give you something that I don't have at least a little bit of a belief in or something that I do think is right? And for the things that I don't, I try to always temper that and say, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure about this. Or I try to catch myself whenever possible if I'm being either contradictory or hypocritical. A recent example would be when Harry and I were talking about college students coming back to campus and how I hold them in a different standard than adults. And that may or may not be fair. Just because college kids in the past have partied and drank and had sex doesn't mean that I should give them a free pass to do so during a pandemic. But I try to catch that, even if that may fail. But I do appreciate that review because we need to be checked sometimes. And Oski 11, that is a very well-written negative review. I'd love to see more of those. I'd also love to see positive reviews. We've gotten a little bit of both. But the point being, if you want to help us out rating and reviewing, that's a big one. Gets us to the top of the charts. You type in Illini to any podcast thing, and hopefully you'll see the 200 level. Now, speaking of Illini, Sadly, there's not a lot of news with Illini Sports because we're just kind of chilling out. Fall sports canceled. Basketball. Will there be a bubble? Won't there be a bubble? It does seem like there is some encouraging movement in terms of the NCAA moving on college basketball. Gavitt, who is way up there in the NCAA hierarchy, came out with a statement today saying that sometime by mid-September there will be a statement about whether or not they plan to start the season on time or if they have to delay it. 
I think we can probably bank on the latter. But we've also seen some positive things in the last week. The saliva test, which Yale started, I believe, just before the U of I. So they're getting that credit for it. U of I, of course, made their own. And I'm pretty sure we'll get in the national news for that soon enough after the FDA approves this saliva test. But that could be a game changer. That's the word that I'm seeing commonly thrown around when talking about these saliva tests because of the ability to produce them at a very low cost and that you can get the results usually within hours. Now, that was, at least on the U of I campus, all before the students arrived. And I know people close to me that have went and gotten that test, and it has taken about 36 hours. That's before 40,000 students are clogging the laboratories with that. But it does seem like most medical experts will say testing, testing, testing. That is one way to at least track where this thing is. Contact tracing, well, you're going to have to get the numbers way down before you get into that field. But at least for sports, and specifically college basketball, this saliva test may be the game changer. It may be the thing that allows us to actually watch Io and Kofi and this basketball team compete this winter. Whether that be in January and February, whether that be March and April, I don't know what that's going to look like. But I would have to think that the complete disaster that has been college football and how these conferences have handled it, including the Big Ten, and we'll get to that in a second, I think a lot of that can be averted and hopefully learn a lesson or two that if you want to get sports going in the middle of a pandemic, you need to have all the best laid plans. And even then, that may not be enough. For example, in an article on Yahoo Sports, they quoted Dr. Brian Hainline, I believe is his name. He's the NCAA's chief medical officer, and he was on CNN uh, early Sunday morning talking about the pandemic and its effect on college sports. Here's the quotes directly from the doctor. The pathway to play sports is so exceedingly narrow right now. Everything would have to line up perfectly. Now, end quote goes on to say that a major part of that everything is testing, which isn't up to snuff, but of course we do have the saliva testing that's working its way up the ladder a bit at Yale, Illinois, other institutions as well. According to Dr. Brian Hainline, right now, if testing in the U.S. stays the way it is, there's no way we can go forward with sports. And that is sort of where we're at, where the Big Ten's decision, even if you are puzzled by the absence of leadership, and that's going to be the main point in today's podcast, so we'll get there. Even if you are thinking, what a frazzled response by Kevin Warren and the presidents and the ADs, and you wouldn't be wrong to think that way. At the end of the day, we are in the middle of a once in a lifetime, let's hope, pandemic. And there are naturally going to be decisions made that are puzzling because we're all kind of figuring this out. But the difference here, and I think this goes to the lack of accountability from these conferences and from these university presidents, all the medical science is saying this isn't safe, whether it be college sports, or whether it be bringing college students back in the first place, as we're seeing all across the country right now. And yet it's being done anyway. Well, why is it being done? I know Josh Whitman said about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, he doesn't like when people question motives. I have to, though, in this case, because it's the only reasonable thing to do. Without sounding conspiratorial, or at least not trying to, the reason that we're opening campuses and dorms and apartment complexes and lecture halls, just as we were trying to open up football stadiums, is money. And I get it. At the end of the day, this is hundreds of millions, probably billions at the end of the day, that could be lost if you don't get these things going, or at least try to get them going. So I cannot fault entirely university presidents and chancellors who in a lot of cases have shareholders who have money coming in from a lot of different places that want to know that that money is actually going to be put to good use. And if they don't even try to get this thing off the ground, how are they going to look? 
But the other part of me thinks we're talking about, whether it be the NCAA or these universities or these athletic departments, institutions that bring in a ton of revenue. And yet clearly there was not a rainy day fund set in place. So what's happening to this money when it gets in there? Clearly it's just being spent, invested in other things. There's not a lot in reserves. Hence, we're seeing people lose jobs. We're seeing athletic department people that might have been, let's not say essential positions, but people that were probably part of the game day experiences. They are now either furloughed or out of work. That's across the nation. And it's not to say that this could have been avoided. This is not something you really plan for. I never thought I'd be living through a pandemic. I don't know about you. But even after I saw Outbreak when I was 11, 12 years old, and it scared the crap out of me. I never actually considered the possibility of living through one of these things. But I'm also not someone making six figures to make decisions that impact thousands of people. If I was, I would think that there would have been something in place, something that would have been able to protect jobs, livelihoods, institutions in the midst of what will probably be a 12-month nothingness. 12 months of not being able to do what we normally would be doing. Because even if we get the vaccine in what, January, February, it's not going to be an immediate fix. People need to actually get it. It needs to be delivered and distributed, all that stuff. So 12 months, right? Gone. Useless. And we're going to see here as colleges open up and students come back, just as we've seen in a few college campuses across the country, that they'll likely be sent home at some point this spring. Case in point, Oklahoma State. This is from NBC News. A group of sorority sisters are quarantined together after their chapter reported 23 positive coronavirus cases at Oklahoma State University. The word used by the student newspaper for the University of North Carolina, cluster blank. You can figure out what the blank is. After nine different clusters on campus popped up with COVID-19. Students have just moved back and they're getting tested. But lo and behold, when you got a bunch of 18 to 22-year-olds living in communal spaces like dorms and apartments, sorority houses, fraternity houses, when they haven't seen their friends for six and a half months, huh? they're partying. They're going out. They're having a good time. And why not? If I'm an 18 to 22-year-old college student and I just moved into the dorm, I know that the clock is probably ticking before they send me back home. Am I going to be more inclined to live it up while I'm on campus? Probably so. Long as I get the negative test, I would probably be out and about. Is that contradictory? Back to the discussion Harry and I had, that I'm asking people to behave a certain way during a pandemic, except for college students, because kids will be kids? Maybe so. Maybe I should hold them to a little bit of a higher standard. But knowing that age and the behaviors that come with it, there is an invincibility. You feel like you are indestructible at that age. Hence, you go out for all hours drinking insane amounts of booze. And the... (laughs) Just the silly crap that you can laugh about later. There is something very reckless about it. And we're going to see it right here in Champaign-Urbana as students start to move back and they see their friends. This is not an indictment of college students. I think it's just being realistic about what they're going to do. And are many college students at the end of the day going to die from this? Maybe not. But let's not pretend that there's not a community aspect to this as well. This goes into the discussion that's been going on the last couple weeks about how it is safer for athletes to be on campus than it would be off campus. We got the testing protocols, so clearly they're much safer here than they would be if they went wherever home may be. But that's just simply not the case. We see this in Oklahoma, where over the weekend, they come out with the news that nine Oklahoma players tested positive for coronavirus. And immediately, 
the crowd that says you're safer in a football facility than you would be in the outside world. They come out of the woodwork. They're ready to go. This is their evidence that we should play football because kids will be safer with the protocols in place. Well, guess what? According to The Athletic, Nicole Auerbach, an Oklahoma source to The Athletic on the nine new positive cases on the football team, quote, the majority of players stayed in town. It appears that the majority of those who tested positive were players that remained in the local area community. Hmm, what could they have been doing in that local area community for nine of them to all of a sudden pop up with the same virus? I'll give you three guesses. And it's speculative, but come on, let's be real. That's already been floating around quite a bit that it was a party or something similar, a gathering, let's call it, that led to nine of these cases on the same team. This is going to happen many places. But the problem is it's not going to stay localized to that campus environment. These kids will go out and about. They're going to get food. They're going to go to Target. Even in Champaign-Urbana, where I remember distinctly being on campus, and it felt like a bit of a bubble. Yes, I would go home for laundry on Sundays for free monocles and the Sopranos on HBO. But for the most part, when I was on campus, I was there. And that goes for many students. The problem is there are people from the community that need to go work in this campus environment. That could be people working in the dorms and the cafeterias. That could be anyone that's a maintenance worker for any of the myriad of apartment complexes on campus. That could be any of the faculty and staff at the University of Illinois, who, if you live in Champaign-Urbana, chances are you know somebody that is employed by the university. Now they need to go into that bubble. Best laid plans, right? And I do give credit to the university for at least making an effort that I think is in good faith, even if some of the motivation is, well, we need to keep some of this money. They've certainly put a lot of money into trying to keep this thing afloat and to make it sustainable for students to actually be here for an entire semester. Yeah, they'll be sent home. At least the plans are right now, send them home before Thanksgiving and they would not return. Makes some sense because then you'd have a bunch of kids go home and then they come back and who knows, right? All that spread. But do you really believe that this university or any others of its size and scope are going to be open for the entire semester. And that's not to say that an outbreak is going to happen on every single campus. But as we're seeing with college football, there is a bit of a follow the leader sort of thing. Someone needs to make that decision first before all these other institutions feel like it's okay to make the same decision. So it could happen in Notre Dame, up in South Bend. It could happen in North Carolina or in Norman, Oklahoma, wherever. But if enough of these happen, especially at Power 5 schools with tens of thousands of kids enrolled, you're going to see just a mass exodus of college students from, you name the campus, heading back home as their dorms shut down and the lecture halls are locked. And it's going to be a very empty, I told you so moment, because in all of this, Same thing with the theory that there is a bunch of sports media types that don't want college football to be played simply because they want to say, I told you so. You know how exhausting it is to play the I told you so game? I had to do the I told you so game for John Gross in the final year with a few apologists, even though I think most Illini fans knew what was what. I had to play the I told you so game with Tim freaking Beckman, which that is just an exhausting exercise. A lot of you are probably familiar with that. You were probably (laughs) probably on the same train. But it's not some sort of thing where at the end of the day, I light up a cigar, or let's say it's mid-October, right? College campuses are closing, and I'm going to light up a cigar and say, (laughs) I told them a long time ago this was going to happen. No. In fact, it's the opposite. 
it's disheartening to know that these things are likely and that people that are in power that should know better aren't doing the right thing, or at least the most logical thing, which is to say, as we sit here five months into it, and we have no control over this pandemic and no real therapeutic and no vaccine that we're going to ask the 18 to 22-year-olds of the country to carry that flag for us right out of a pandemic. No, they, sadly, as much as I think the next generation, they'll be fine. They are probably not the ones to ask right now to help get us out of this thing. Back to normal, everybody. No. As much as I appreciate college students for their youth and for their energy and all the potential that they have, knowing what I and many other people were like back when I was 18 to 22, you might relate to this. You don't know a lot. You act selfishly more than you would at probably any other period in your life. And why not? You should be looking out for number one when you're 18 to 22 and you had all these years in front of you and you can be completely reckless and damaging to your, <laughs> your physical and mental well-being and know that you're probably going to come out on the other side okay. But when you have the potential transmission of something to people that are vulnerable, that's where I laugh a little bit at the idea of opening these things up, but really it's actually kind of scary to think that right here in this community, we're one of many that are essentially lab experiments. I don't want to be a lab experiment. I don't want to be a guinea pig. None of these kids should have to be guinea pigs either. None of those faculty and staff that are required to report to buildings. And it's not everybody. In fact, a lot of offices on campus are not opening up. What does that tell you? It's not safe to open up an office building where you have people in individual offices spaced out from one another. But it is okay to open up dorms, apartment complexes, cams, you name the bar, they're going to be open in some way, shape, or form. I mean, the pictures are coming out. I don't want to be one of those people that's like, look at this, in Iowa State, they're partying. Because first off, I'm not actually surprised by any of it. And second of all, that's anecdotal. That's not to say that every single campus is going to be quite as hopping as they were up in Ames over the weekend, though maybe they will be. But at least to some extent, whether it's at the cams of the world or whether it's on a balcony of an apartment or even a socially distanced or, you know, best intentions, outdoor party, beer pong, all that kind of stuff. There's plenty of those on the streets, especially west of First Street on campus. A lot of those house parties. Even something like that, that ain't good. That's not what you want right now. And it's going to happen. And then what? You're asking police departments to enforce these sorts of things, and their hands are kind of tied. There's not a whole lot that they can probably do except to say, shut down, and then what are you going to do if you're 18 to 22? You're going to find a different spot. There were a few parties I went to that got shut down. Well, what did we do? Did we just go home? No. We weren't quitters, and I don't think college students nowadays, they aren't quitters either. They're going to find any way, shape, or form to enjoy the few months or the month, the six weeks, whatever it may be, that they're actually on a campus. So all of that's a preamble to actual sports conversation. And to Oski, who would love that nice review, I guess that was a little bit soapboxy, but what the hell? When you're on a podcast talking behind a microphone, sometimes you do get up on a soapbox. I guess that's kind of part of the gig, really. But with college football specifically, Justin Fields, Ohio State quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, the other main leader in this thing, quarterback from Clemson, they've been very active, of course, in the We Want to Play movement. And there is a petition which has tens of thousands of signatures, and it's growing by the minute. Student-athletes, parents, fans. And I think there are some decent things within this We Want to Play movement. As it relates to the Big Ten and their lack of transparency, yeah, I know Kevin Warren came out, and you could say, and I wouldn't disagree with this necessarily, 
All that he had to tell people was, it's not safe to do this, case closed. But it is okay to question how he handled it when, what, five days after the schedule comes out, you cancel the season and say, hey, student-athletes, after everything that we told you before, we're turning this car around, we're going home. So there is reason to question the decision-making process behind that. And even today, as Penn State's athletic director, Sandy Barber, comes out and says she's not aware of any vote that took place about spring football. And all these different reports coming out that are indicating that maybe it wasn't quite as decisive as 12 to 2 about this decision to postpone in the fall, play in the spring. There's a lot of smoke. There's a lot of muddying of the water, which makes me think this probably was not handled all that well. So yeah, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and other student athletes, Josh Matterbebe, had a little Twitter conversation with him last week. They want to play. I understand why they want to play. They have some arguments as to why it's safe enough for them to do so. Fine. I can get behind the idea that, yes, they will probably have more access to reliable testing as a college football player. That makes sense. But ultimately, and this is going to sound, how do I do this without sounding very judgmental or very dismissive? I don't want to be dismissive, but at the end of the day, this seems like a fruitless exercise on a couple of fronts. The first one being the Big Ten, they thought this through and whether or not we like the motives behind their thought process they would have thought something like this through if they're going to cancel a college football season, postpone, cancel, whatever it ends up being, that will cost them hundreds of millions of dollars. They are not making this decision on a whim. They thought this through. There's too many liabilities for them to say, yep, let's go ahead and try this. Hopefully it works out. They bowed out and they may look dumb or they may look smart. As we've seen in the past, the Big Ten tends to be a leader among the Power Five conferences, and I would say within the next few weeks, you won't have any of these conferences playing football anyway. So they may very well look smart, even if Kevin Warren may not have been that smart. That's number one. The second part, though, all these parent letters that are being written, Nebraska, Iowa, I think Ohio State, go figure, of course they'd have a parent letter, about how their kids should be allowed to play college football. Again, not to be dismissive, I don't want to be that cynic that says you shouldn't act. Write a letter to the editor, or in this case, a letter to the commissioner and express your displeasure, make demands, try to make change, right? That's actually being an active participant in democracy or whatever other process you're part of. Kudos to them for that. Best intentions. However, I don't think that these things are going to make any bit of difference. Again, this goes to point one. Hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe well over a billion dollars that are wrapped up in this college football season. If they're going to walk away from that, they are not probably going to change their minds based on a letter from 60 Iowa football parents. And that is very cynical. I realize that to be someone that has come on this show and talked about people opening their minds and listening to each other and trying to make change, how hypocritical of me to dismiss in a way the efforts of these parents to try to make change. But I am finding that a lot of these arguments coming from parents or coming from fans that profess to be about student-athlete health but they still want to be entertained, right? I find some of these arguments to be a little bit empty, bordering on disingenuous even. For example, some of these letters have talked about the CTE concussion issue. Hey, you know, Big Ten conferences let our our student-athletes play despite all the concerns about concussions and CTE. What the heck? Which, on its face, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, why would the Big Ten conference allow all of that? And then all of a sudden, this virus that doesn't affect severely a whole lot of 18 to 22 year olds then they flip out what's the deal with that but then i 
flip it on the other side of it and think, well, wait a second, these parents that are writing this letter, they were the ones, even with all the information they had in front of them, that said it was okay for their kids to play football. The CTE concussion thing's not new. So if you're a parent writing about that and including this in a letter to the Big Ten Commissioner about health and safety, schmelf and schmafty, whatever it may be, you're kind of calling yourself out for letting your kids play this game in the first place. I say that and I check my own sports fandom, recognizing that I've enjoyed football ever since I heard about CTE and concussions. It has not affected my enjoyment of the game one bit, just as it has not really affected the enjoyment for the athletes that actually play it and get the bruises and get the brain trauma that I've never had to experience. So again, Soapbox, Oski 11, you're probably right about that. But <laughs> I'm just thinking about how, wait, these parents essentially are calling themselves out by saying, CTE and concussions? Yes, absolutely CTE and concussions. But here's another caveat. CTEs and concussions, they certainly affect the family of whoever is afflicted with it. So if a student athlete gets it, their immediate family, they got to deal with the consequences. That could be a really scary thing. Whether it be Dave Duerson and everything that happened to him towards the end of his life, it's frightening. It's, if you read the details about the last few months of his life, it is, it'll make you shudder. It's, it's very disturbing. But CTE isn't contagious. So that argument, no, it doesn't apply. Of course there's health and safety issues. Torn ACLs. All these different things that student-athletes have to deal with on the football field anyways. And the medical bills that they're going to be paying in the future as they continue to have lingering health issues from playing football. Those are all concerns. Those need to be addressed. And they haven't been. And God knows that they are actually going to be addressed because when this all dies down and the student-athlete movement, it's either going to keep the momentum or it's not. And I'm not really sure where that's going to go because unfortunately the We Want to Play movement has brought on a lot of different people that don't quite understand the full extent of it. The We Want to Play movement includes the health and safety part. And even if that hasn't been fully hashed out yet, I hope that student-athletes get the opportunity to do so. But to bring in health and safety into this discussion, that's fine on a surface level. But disingenuous because a lot of these health and safety issues that these parents are talking about in letters aren't contagious. They aren't going to kill grandma. They aren't going to kill someone with autoimmune issues. And that's really the core of this entire thing is that Justin Fields and these guys, you know, again, credit for trying to do something and credit for getting this petition. And they'll get, listen, they're going to get a bunch of signatures on it from people that probably didn't wear their damn mask in the first place. But don't get me started on that hypocrisy. But nonetheless, it's a movement towards player empowerment. I can get behind that. I can get behind the health and safety component. A lot of the things that he and Trevor Lawrence and hundreds, thousands of student athletes are talking about. But when it comes to health and safety of the community, opening up campus, that ain't safe. And I know as Josh Amaterbebe and I discussed, if you want to say that, on Twitter last week, these behaviors, when that entire population comes back, are going to make even the best testing protocol like we have here at the university, not null and void, but not nearly as effective. It's certainly going to lose its effectiveness in trying to keep it out of the Smith Football Performance Center. So as we sit here, it's disheartening, right? It's disheartening on so many fronts because I say all this and someone could easily interpret that as, well, Carp, you didn't want college football that much anyway. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do on Saturdays in the fall. We'll find something. Hopefully the weather's nice. But even if it would have been an empty stadium or 10,000 people, no tailgating, 
there were already plans in place. Here's how we're going to set up the porch. We're going to grill out. We're going to make our own game day experience. Yes, I was looking forward to it. We all were. In a lot of ways, when I talk about this situation, I do recognize that in speaking like this, people will say, well, you don't want it as bad as I do. And that may be true. Maybe I don't want college football quite as badly as other people. Because for me, as much as I love the days in Lot 31, and as much as I love watching the games, even for a 2-10 Illini football team, there is something to be said about traditions and the people that you experience those traditions with. And we built quite a crew over the years of people that love tailgating, and we know that each fall we're going to see them six, seven more times than we would any other season, spring, summer, winter, because of football. But at the end of the day, my enjoyment for that, even for concerts, which I think any of you that have listened to this or 93.5, you know that summer concerts, that is my jam. And come hell or high water, even if I got to wear a mask and the stupid thing, I want outdoor concerts next year more than anything, more than sports for sure. But even for the Rage Against the Machine reunion show at Alpine that I was so looking forward to this summer, just chomping at the bit, I recognize that my enjoyment pales in comparison to the risk that would be involved with something like that. Just as it, I think, pales in comparison to the risk posed by the university, other universities, any university, trying this grand experiment that I'm afraid is doomed to fail. I could be totally wrong about this. This is one of those things where, yes, I want to be proven wrong. I want to be in mid-October and Champaign-Urbana hasn't had any cases really go up, and there haven't been any massive outbreaks, and the saliva testing turns out to be a major breakthrough, and this country somehow, with all the odds against it and all these college campuses opening up, has finally figured out how to stem the tide, lower the numbers, and then by the time the vaccine arrives, we are going to be back at it. But I just don't foresee that. And some things are just so right there in front of you. Like we could try to argue our way around any sort of thing and say, well, really, if, if, if this goes right and this goes right and that goes right, we might be okay. I know I've done that with a bunch of things, especially things that I'm, I really care about and really passionate about or friends, right? The friend that might be uh, untrustworthy or you can't really count on and you tell someone, listen, you know, it, it, they probably slept in or, oh, their phone might be dead when you know full well that's not the case. And this seems to be one of those things where so many people are playing mental gymnastics. Some aren't. I say some. And that's a very general term. But judging by the Twitter timeline and Illini fans and the different things that they're saying and, and liking other tweets and all that, there is still a section of people that really don't think what's going on is that big of a deal. And that why the hell are we not playing college football? Why can't I go to the stadium? Why can't I enjoy a tailgate on a Saturday? And while I'm totally with them up to the point of wanting to do those things, the difference between the way I look at it and the way I think some look at it is that my enjoyment of these things, again, pales in comparison to the larger issues around it. I don't know whether or not we're going to get college basketball, for example. If you tell me that for whatever reason, a season doesn't come to fruition, they can't figure the bubble thing out. The pandemic is just too risky for them to even try college basketball in March Madness. I'm going to be freaking bummed. The idea that I wouldn't be able to see this roster. And then sure enough, Iowa and Kofi, they'd probably go pro next summer and we would never get that opportunity. Ah, that'd be so Illinois, wouldn't it? But would I get it if they couldn't do it safely? I say they being the NCAA or the Big Ten. Yes, I would. 
And it's just one of those bitter pills. It's, it's one of those things we've had to swallow so many bitter pills in the last five plus months. And I know we're getting sick of it. And I understand that. I understand the tendency to be like, you know what? <laughs> Screw this thing. As long as I wore a mask, or maybe even if I don't, uh, I'm just going to go live my life. Why can't they go and do their thing just like I'm trying to do my thing? Right? We want to press on. We want to push forward. And yet we're essentially being told, not yet, not yet. And it does seem like that bar keeps moving. And that's frustrating as hell. But it's moving because we didn't really give it enough heed in the first place. And I say we as a collective, like everyone is at fault and everyone deserves this absence of college football. I don't necessarily believe that. But it is hard not to see the contradictions in the SEC, for example, wanting to play games, even though a lot of the southern states are the ones with the highest case positivity rates and growing numbers. There should not be any college football, especially in the state of Florida or Georgia. But you know what? They're going to try, just like they tried going to Supercuts or going to the movie theater back in April, and we see how that worked out. So my anger goes in a lot of directions. And to the theme of this episode, Who's the Boss?, I mentioned a couple episodes ago, which probably led to this negative review on Apple Podcasts, and it won't be the last, but when I really kind of went headfirst into Donald Trump, which, <laughs> yeah, the buck does stop at the top. But as I think about who's the boss and who's making the decisions, I've just been continually disappointed that people in power, whether it be Kevin Warren or whether it be school superintendents, or whether it be governors. There's far too many examples in the last five months of people that are making decisions that are either just kind of making it up as they go along, or worse yet, making an ultimate decision that does not go in line with the science. And Kevin Warren made potentially the right decision, but did not do so without looking a fool. And that is just, come on, even when the right decisions are made, I look at these leaders and think, God, you look foolish, even though you might be completely right in this. Why can't you just come out and actually have a well-reasoned argument and some transparency about why you did what you did? Ugh, it's not something I would want to do. It's not a position I would probably even be good in myself. So it's easy to be an armchair quarterback and say, well, why didn't Kevin Warren do this? Why didn't Donald Trump do this? Why didn't that school superintendent decide for hybrid learning and remote learning and instead send everybody back to school? Easy to do that for my position behind a microphone. But ultimately, it's hard not to feel like, well, okay, if these are the people making the decisions, then what's the point? It's easy to kind of slip into this sort of nihilistic thing of, ugh, God, if this is the best we have, then maybe it ain't all that great to begin with. But to come back from that cynicism, from that potential nihilism, and try to find a positive in all this, if this ultimately saves even a few lives, if this saves a few college football players from getting myocarditis, I think I said it right, the heart issue, would it not be worth it? In exchange for my lack of enjoyment, in exchange for me being unable to watch some college football games this fall, if you tell me that this is ultimately saving some lives or saving college football players from potentially getting a very rare heart condition, that will stay with them for the rest of their lives? Okay, I'm on board, even if I ultimately am bored because of the lack of football. All right, off the soapbox, done for the day. Well, there's one more thing. This is, I think, kind of encapsulating everything that's wrong with college. And I say college because that includes college sports and really just college campuses trying to open up in the middle of this. 
Greg Byrne is the AD at Alabama, and he tweets out this picture of a bunch of students in line for something, let's presume a bar. Who wants college sports this fall? Question marks. Obviously not these people, exclamation points, and then the hand on the forehead emoji. We've got to do better than this for each other in our campus community. Please wear your mask emoji with a mask on. Oh, that was the other point. None of these kids are really wearing masks that I can tell in this picture. This is the AD of Alabama. College kids, please don't do college kid things, which is to say, don't act like you won't get the disease. Don't be reckless. Those things are going to happen. Alabama, Illinois, it doesn't matter. That goes across state lines. Mason-Dixon line, either side of it, you're going to see the same damn thing. When you get an AD tweeting out something like that, which is just, it shows how helpless these educators and these athletic directors are. Their whole experiment is contingent on college kids deciding for a semester at least to not be college kids. I don't see how that logic ultimately ends up with these campuses going through an entire semester without outbreaks of plenty or potentially even just sending the whole student body home. Best laid plans, doesn't matter. I wish I had more positivity or optimism to bring you today. Unfortunately, as we went through the weekend and you start to see college campuses opening up and now they're opening up here, it's opening up here in Champaign-Urbana. It's hard not to think that, ah, boy, this may not work out so well. Prove me wrong, 18 to 22-year-olds. Prove me wrong. Prove Greg Byrne, Alabama AD, wrong. Even if that means going against every fiber of your being, every desire that you have as an 18 to 22-year-old to live your life and enjoy the, let's say, four to six weeks that you may actually be on a campus this fall. All right. I'll be back later this week with something. Hopefully some more sportsy kind of things. I know that we were talking in general, about colleges, leaders, or the lack thereof. Justin Fields, the We Want to Play movement, the parent letters. It's just this big mishmash of blech. I mean, it, it all sucks because the situation at the end of the day sucks. And even the things that are well-intentioned, it's hard not to look at and say, yeah, what's the point? Again, I don't want to be a nihilist. I don't want to be dismissive of what they're doing, even if it probably sounded dismissive. But there are a lot of things that we got to figure out before a letter or petition is going to make a difference when we have this, oh, I don't know, global health emergency to deal with first. All right, that's it for today's show. We'll be back later this week, Thursday or Friday, not sure when. Before we go, got to remind you that the 200 level is brought to you by DPDO online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices, and they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, dpdo.com. Fourth and Kirby, great new designs, just in time for football season, even if it's in the spring. Go ahead and get your t-shirt now. New designs at fourthandkirby.com. They're awesome. And use coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order at fourthandkirby.com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, renters, business, you name it. Insurance experts and local interest at heart. They're all local products. Brianismyguy.com. For the Champagne Showers Podcast Network, Alana Inquirer. Appreciate their partnership. We will see you later this week. Hopefully some positive stuff comes out. Good thing is sports are in full swing, at least professional sports. We do have that. And uh, in the meantime, take care of each other. Stay safe. We'll see you later this week. It is the 200 level.